Hello, welcome to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset Podcast, where it is all about helping amazing physicians just like you create a wealthy life free from burnout and with the financial security to practice medicine on your own terms. I'm your host, Dr. Elisa Zhang. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset Podcast. This episode is for all the business owners out there. You may think that this doesn't apply to you, but if you have any LLC, including holding your rental real estate in an LLC, then you will want to listen to this episode. Basically, if you have any entity filed with any Secretary of State, then keep on listening. If you have a sole proprietorship where you have not filed anything with the Secretary of State, then this doesn't necessarily apply to you, but you could go ahead and listen. So what I'm talking about today is the Beneficial Ownership Information Report. The Corporate Transparency Act, which was passed as part of the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2021, introduced new reporting requirements for businesses in the United States, specifically focusing on beneficial ownership. The Corporate Transparency Act, or the CTA, was created in an effort to combat money laundering, tax fraud, as well as the financing of terrorism by increasing transparency in the ownership structures of companies. It requires corporations and limited liability companies to report their financial owners to the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, abbreviated as FinCEN, capital F, lowercase i, lowercase n, capital C, capital E, capital N. This includes all domestic corporations, limited liability companies, and any other entities created by filling out a document with a Secretary of State or similar office of any state or Indian tribe in the United States, as well as any foreign entity that was formed under a law of a foreign country, but then registered to do business in the United States by filling out a document with, again, a Secretary of State or similar office or state of a tribe. A sole proprietorship, which has not filed a document with the Secretary of State or similar office, does not actually need to file. The Financial Crimes Enforcement Network was established in 1990 as a bureau of the U.S. Department of Treasury, and its primary goal is really to safeguard the financial system from illicit use, combat money laundering, and promote national security through the collection, analysis, and dissemination of financial intelligence. So there are 23 types of entities that are exempt from reporting requirements, which include publicly traded companies, meaning specific requirements, as well as many nonprofits and certain large offering companies. These companies often already have to fill out specialized paperwork. For example, all publicly traded companies have to submit information to the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. So the 23 types of entities exempt are securities reporting issuer, government authority, banks, credit unions, depository institution holding companies, money service businesses, broker or dealer in securities, securities exchange or clearing agency, other Exchange Act registered entity, investment company or investment advisor, venture capital fund advisor, insurance company, state licensed insurance producer, commodity Exchange Act registered entity, accounting firm, public utility, financial market utility, pooled investment vehicle, tax-exempt entity, entity assisting a tax-exempt entity, large operating company, subsidiary of certain exempt entities, and inactive entity. If you want to learn more, if your entity may be exempt, then I would go to the FinCEN or FinCEN 
webpage, which I'll have that link in the show notes. They have an extensive Q&A as well as additional documentation, where a lot of the information in this podcast actually came from that Q&A. But of course, I'm not including all the information that's there. So again, if you have a rental property, whether it's a short-term rental or long-term rental, or you have some kind of side business where you have an LLC, then you are going to be required to file. And filing is actually not very difficult. I've actually already done it for my entities. Well, it might be a little annoying to have another reporting requirement. At least there's no cost or charge to actually submit the form. So what are you actually reporting? Well, you're reporting who the beneficial owners of the corporation or LLC are. The CTA defines a beneficial owner as an individual who exercises substantial control over a company or owns or controls at least 25% of the company's ownership interests. There can be multiple beneficial owners for a single company. You can imagine you can have at least four people all having 25% of the company's ownership, or you can have people who have a lot of control even if they don't have 25% of ownership interests. How does the CTA define substantial control? They've defined substantial control in four different ways. The first is if the individual is a senior officer, like the company's president, the chief financial officer, the chief executive officer, the chief operating officer, or any other officer that is performing a similar function. An individual who has the authority to appoint or remove certain officers or a majority of directors or similar body of the reporting company is also considered someone who has substantial control. Their third definition is an individual that is an important decision maker for the reporting company. Their fourth definition is an individual that has any other form of substantial control over the reporting company as explained further in their small entity compliance guide. If this applies to your company, you're going to want to dig a little deeper. Who are important decision makers? Well, this could be any individual who directs, determines, or has substantial influence over important decisions made by the company. For a business, this could be decisions such as the nature, scope, or attributes of the business. It could be someone who's involved in the selection or termination of business lines or ventures or the geographic focus. It could also be someone who's determining whether or not to enter into or fulfill or not fulfill any kind of significant contract. It could also be someone involved in the finances of the business, including the sale, lease, mortgage, or transfer of any principal assets. Someone who's involved in the major expenditures of investments someone who might be issuing any equity into the company or is able to incur any significant debt on behalf of the company, or someone who would be approving the operating budget of the company. Someone who's looking at the compensation schemes and center program for senior officers would also be considered an important decision maker. The third kind of category of important decision maker is someone who might be involved in the structure of the company, like the reorganization, dissolution, or merger of the company, or any amendments of substantial governance documents for the company. And this might include amending the articles of incorporation or any similar formation documents, any bylaws, or any significant policies or procedures. An ownership interest is generally an arrangement that establishes ownership rights of the company. 
Examples of ownership interests include shares of equity, stock, voting rights, or any other mechanism that's used to establish ownership, which, of course, opens it up to a lot of things. Anyone with a capital or profit interest, or even if they just have an instrument that's convertible to equity, stock, voting rights, or capital or profit interest would also be someone who has to be reported as a beneficiary. So depending on the size of your company, you can see like there might be a lot of beneficiaries that have to be reported. That being said, and I think most people listening to this podcast probably fall in this situation because they're an investor and they have property. So there's probably not a lot of people who are important decision makers outside of you and your spouse or any real estate partners you have. The other people I think listening to this podcast where my effect is if you have your private practice or you are a partner in a private practice, the private practice would very potentially have to report. And so there might be more beneficial owners in that standpoint, but it's probably not beyond all the partners. And if you have a CEO and possibly an office manager or anyone else in the higher leadership positions, then you'll have to think about the level to report if they're a beneficiary. So what about trust? A domestic entity such as a statutory trust, business trust, or foundation is a reporting company only if it was created by the filing of a document with the Secretary of State or similar office. State laws can vary on whether or not certain entity types such as trust are required to file a document with the Secretary of State or similar office when it's being created or registered. So if you do have a trust created in the United States and it did require some kind of filing with a Secretary of State or similar office, then you will want to actually report the trust. There may be an exemption that applies. So again, maybe look a little further into the website. Next, let's talk about when you need to file by. All existing businesses, meaning that your company existed before January 1st, 2024, must file by December 31st, 2024. So basically, you've got all year to file. We're in January, so you've got plenty of time. It really doesn't actually take very long, as long as you don't have too many beneficiaries that you have to fill out. Going forward, any U.S. business created in 2024 or a foreign business that's registering in the U.S. must file the report within 90 calendar days from the earlier of the date the business receives an actual notice about its creation has become effective or the date that the Secretary of State or similar office first provides public notice that the company has been created or registered. Then starting in 2025 next year, companies will actually only have 30 days after their company is created or registered to file the report. So let's actually get to filing the report. There are two ways you can file. You can actually download a PDF, fill out the PDF, and then upload the PDF online. You can also go online and enter all the information online and file that way. So what do you actually have to report? So you're going to report information about the company, and what they ask is its legal name, any trade names, like any DBAs or doing business as or trading as names, they ask the current street address of the principal place of business. If there's a reporting company for the principal place of business outside the United States, then the address they want you to use is the address that the company conducts business in the United States. So the headquarters of the foreign reporting company's business. Again, I don't think anyone listening to this podcast is probably in that situation, but you never know. 
The reporting company address has to be a U.S. street address. It cannot be a P.O. box. The other information you have to report on the company is the tax identification type, like an EIN, and then that tax identification number. They also ask about the jurisdiction information or first registration. So the first question would be, that which country is the jurisdiction information? And then if you put like the United States, then it'll ask for the state of formation or tribal jurisdiction information. And that's really all they ask about the company itself. Then part two of the form is the company applicant information. So that's just information about the person who's actually filling out the form. Now, for me, I just filled out the form myself, so I just gave my personal information. They asked the full legal name and date of birth, an address for the person, and whether it's a business address or residential address. And then they asked for a form of identification and issuing jurisdiction. So you can use your state-issued driver's license, your state-local tribe-issued ID, a U.S. passport, or a foreign passport, and then give the document number. And then you actually have to upload an image of that document. Then part three is just stating the beneficial owner information. And again, you might have to put multiple beneficial owners depending on your company or LLC. The information they want is also really basic information. They want the individual's full name and date of birth, the residential address, and then some form of identification and the issuing jurisdiction. And again, you have to actually upload an image of whatever identification you're using. One interesting thing I found when I was filing is that you can't actually upload the same file twice. So I was the applicant as well as the beneficiary. So I tried uploading the file that contained the image of my state-issued driver's license for both of the identification for the two separate sections. I just took a picture of my ID with my phone and created a JPEG file that I could upload. But what I had to do was actually make two separate files with different file names. So I had Elisa driver's license.jpg and then Elisa driver license copy.jpg and then I could upload the two separate files under applicant and beneficiary. But that's really it. It was really super easy for me to fill out. I think the hardest part of all of this is really if you have a bigger company just knowing who are all the beneficiaries that you actually have to report as a beneficiary. So then what if there's a change? Something happens in the company and you know people come and go, people do leave. So if the applicant actually leaves and the applicant's not a beneficiary, you just have someone working in your office fill all this out, then you don't actually have to file anything. That doesn't matter. But if there's any change in the beneficial owners and the beneficial ownership information report that was filed, then the company does have to file an update report no later than 30 days after the date of the change. Also, if there's any change about the actual company that is different in the report, then you would also have to update that as well. So if the company registers with a new business name, then that would be something where you would have to make an amendment and report that. If the company changes to a new CEO or a sale that changes who meets the ownership interest of 25% occurs, those would be reasons for changes. Any change to the beneficial's owner name or address would also have to be reported. If there's any change to the ID of the beneficial owner, 
like you submitted the passport and they gave you a passport number, then that would have to change. That's one reason why I used my state driver's license because in Ohio, you keep the same driver's license number. So I got my driver's license in Ohio when I was age 16 and I still have that same number now. Whereas with a passport that is going to change every 10 years when you get a new passport, you get a new passport number. So that's just one thing to consider. Of course, if I move to a different state and my Ohio driver's license expires, then of course I would need to fill out an amendment or a new form as well. What happens if you don't report? Like what are the penalties? Well, from the website says that the willful failure to report complete or updated beneficial ownership information to FinCEN or the willful provision of or attempt to provide false or fraudulent beneficial ownership information may result in civil penalties of up to $500 for each day that the violation continues or criminal penalties, including imprisonment for up to two years and or a fine of up to $10,000. So that's quite a bit of penalty. And there's plenty of time to get this filed. So I really just encourage you to get it done now and not have to think about it. More what to think about is if there's any changes to actually get those changes done in the time frame that they're asking for. Who actually gets to see this information after it's reported? Well, FinCEN or FinCEN will permit federal, state, local, and tribal officials, as well as certain foreign officials who submit a request to the U.S. federal government agency to obtain beneficial ownership information for authorized activities related to national security, intelligence, and law enforcement. Financial institutions will have access to beneficial ownership information in certain circumstances with the consent of the reporting company. Those financial institutions' regulators will also have access to beneficial ownership information when they supervise the financial institutions. The other question you may have is how are they going to store the information? According to their website, beneficial ownership information reported to FinCEN will be stored in a secure, non-public database using rigorous information security methods and controls typically used in the federal government to protect non-classified yet sensitive information systems at the highest security level. FinCEN will work closely with those authorized to access beneficial ownership information to ensure that they understand their roles and responsibilities in using the reported information only for authorized purposes and handling in a way that protects its security and confidentiality. To file your beneficial owner information report, go to www.fincen.gov forward slash BOI. Again, for me, I found filling out the form really not painful at all. Check out the show notes for the website in order to find out more information or to go and file the form. Schedule it on your calendar for a time to do it and just get it done. I hope this information has been helpful for you. Consider sharing this podcast with your friends, family, relatives, anyone that you know who has a business or may have a business or LLC, and they need to learn about this reporting requirement. Thanks so much for listening to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could share it with your friends and colleagues. And now for the disclaimer. I am not a certified financial planner, accountant, or attorney, and nothing I say should be construed as professional investment, tax, or legal advice. This show is primarily for your education and entertainment. 
I am a physician, but I'm probably not your physician. So if you need any medical advice, please contact your own physician. Thank you.